Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. I'm going to say this with humility because I need to talk myself into this. Um, That I am a person that God has called me. He has sent us here to this region. So um, there is an authority that he placed on our life. And then when the Lord speaks to us, there is an unction from heaven. And so I believe there is a prophetic um, anointing on my life to bring correction and, and, and some things to the body of Christ. And so as that person, like I said, I'm talking myself into this right now. Um, as that person, I believe God has called me to do and say some things this morning, and I hope it brings clarity and hope and, and some, just some liberty to us as a church and a people. Amen? Okay. Some of you guys will get it eventually. Okay, thank you, Lord Jesus. So, um, yeah, so I get to bring the word of the Lord this morning. Father, I pray um, for just a tangible manifestation of your word, of your truth, of who you are, of your glory this morning. Paul said I didn't come preaching with eloquency or, 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 or any of that. I came demonstrating the word and power. And so I pray for a demonstration of your word this morning by a tangible manifest um, presence of who you are, a glory that would just rest in this house this morning and continue to minister to your people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Did you guys enjoy that time of worship? It's my favorite worship leaders on the planet, so I hope you enjoyed them. Um, I take 100% credit for their gifting and anointing because I'm married to one and I birthed the other, so I don't know. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, This morning we were messing around and I was like lip singing to a song that Zach had playing in the offices, and (laughs) it's like that's the best you're going to get from me is a lip sync. So um, I have zero ability to um, do any of what they do, so um, I'm just grateful for their their gift, who they are to our community, and our, our worship community is so beautiful. It's none other. There's none other like them in this city. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, you guys need to wake up a little tiny bit, just a tiny, tiny bit. This is good coffee? It's good coffee. Kidding. Um, I believe God is doing some things all over the world right now. I mean, he's really doing, Zach had touched on it. There's literally a revival that broke out in a school, a college in Kentucky. They have been praying and worshiping the Lord nonstop, I think today's day four. You know, I think sometimes as the church, what we see, and social media doesn't help, but we see all the bad things and it's magnified and glorified. How many have had nonstop devil worship from the Grammys in your feed? That's all I saw for like three weeks, or it hasn't been three weeks, it's been one week, but that's all I saw. And now all I see is this revival. See, what happens when God's breaking out is the darkness gets darker, but God's light shines brighter and brighter. And so you, there's a bigger contrast in what's going on in the world. Like the enemy has no cards to play. He's just like, all right, we'll just show up and be who we are. And it's like, that's it. That's all the enemy has is 
that, but the light of who God is is shining brighter and brighter and brighter, and I believe that's what he's calling for his church. And so the Lord spoke to me about three weeks ago. I was in the bathroom, and I'm like, I need to hear from you, Jesus. Has anybody ever been in that place? Have you ever felt like God is silent? I don't like those seasons. I don't like silent seasons from the Lord. I remember one preacher said, if you feel like God is silent, why don't you go back and do the last thing he told you to do? I was like, oh, okay, all right, Lord. Um, So I had felt like I just needed a word from the Lord. I remember laying in bed one night and I was just crying out to the Lord. It was a Thursday night in the middle of the night and it was a cry from the depths of my heart that actually turned into manifestation of tears in my sleep. Now, if you know me at all, do not mess with my sleep. I'm a mom of five. I spent an entire decade sleepless. Now I get to um, have the fruits of my labor and I sleep nine to 10 hours a night and I don't, don't mess with it. Leave me alone. I raised my kids to take care of themselves. Um, So me and Jesus have a deal. Like, I love you so much. Don't wake me up in the middle of the night. So... (laughs) So um, this was a Thursday night, and I just, I literally, it was like a cry in my heart that turned into tears. The next day, about four o'clock in the afternoon, a very beautiful woman in my life, a, a prophetic person that I love very much, my dear friend Tony Robinson, she calls me, and we don't have the kind of relationship where she actually picks up the phone. I don't pick up the phone. She doesn't pick up the phone. We send text messages. It's that kind of relationship. And then I see her, and we talk for three hours. Um, but she called me, and I'm like, what is she calling me for? So I have to answer. She's like, I saw your face five times today. And I just have a word for you. And so she just began to prophesy into, my, into, into who I am, into the call of God on my life, into what God's called me to and stuff like that. And then we just shared in talking in our lives. But um, I love her so much. And it was the answer to the cry of my heart, but I really still needed to hear what God was saying to me from his heart and his voice. So um, a couple days later, I remember I was standing in my bathroom and I heard the Lord say, <clears throat> Rochelle, whether there's two people, 200 people, or 2,000 people, I still want you to worship like there's only one person in the room. I'm like, all right, I get it, Jesus. And so my word for us this morning is what does it look like for a church to pursue the presence and the glory of God before we pursue anything else? What does it look like for us as the people of God to say unashamedly, we want an encounter with the true and living God that brings transformation to our church, to our lives, to our families, and to our communities? So um, I'm a very, um, I don't know, I feel like I am a, a pretty buttoned up, presentable kind of distinguished person. I don't like messes and I don't like to be out of order. I don't like to not have my makeup done or my hair done. I like to look presentable all the time. So when Jesus wrecks me, it's a really big deal. Because then my makeup's messed up and then I look crazy. And, and so for me as a, that kind of person, that type of personality, God's, the moving of God ha- has always needed to be in my perspective and in my structure and in my way. 
How many know that that's not always what God wants to do? God wants to break us out of our way, of our thoughts, of our processes, of our, um, of our programs, so to speak. And he wants to, he wants to say that he has preeminence, but we have to give him permission. So I think about what God's doing all over the earth. I think about this revival that's happening at this college. You know, I also think about things like, you know, just speaking of the Grammys that happened and all the darkness that was displayed, but there's this group of people that got an award and it's Maverick City and say whatever you want about it, but that is a a group of young people that have pursued the heart of Jesus no matter the cost. And I think about like one of their songs is like literally half the song is them praying in tongues and like just confessing the word and they get to win a Grammy. How many know that is the light shining brighter in dark places? And so you can say whatever you want about where the world is headed or where this generation is going, but I see a generation that is pursuing the presence of Jesus at any cost. I see young people that want something real. I see a young generation that's just crying out for supernatural, but we've made our churches so easy to fit into and so easy to just come to and leave and punch in our spiritual time clock that we're not transforming generations. And we wonder why our kids are not serving the Lord because we've chosen to replace transformation and encounter with a program that fits into our box of what is pretty Jesus help me so what does it look like to want the glory of God more than anything so I'm going to read Matthew 5 which is the Beatitudes but I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation and it's so beautiful the promises of God Matthew 5, I'm going to read from 3 to 10. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty for yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait on the Lord for you find what you long for. What blessings come to you when gentleness lives in you for you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness for you will be satisfied. How blessed you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. How joyful you are when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched you are when persecuted for doing what is right, for you will experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. See, I believe encounter and the glory of God manifesting in our midst is messy. And remember when I told you I don't really like messes? So this is what God speaks to me first, right? Because it has to be that way. He has to do it through you first. has to be done to you. You can't... You cannot communicate encounter or glory unless you've experienced it, touched it, and tasted it. And I feel like what's happening in our churches and what's happened in our past is we are trying to communicate 
and we're trying to uh, distribute an encounter with God that we've never truly allowed ourselves to, in, to experience and to be transformed by. Um, why don't our children serve the Lord? I don't know, because you pushed them in Sunday school and Christian churches and expected somebody else to feed them when it was your responsibility. See, what happens is even in our churches as pastors and leaders is we try to communicate a gospel that we've not ever experienced and so we're just communicating information where there's no transformation that happens because information does not transform lives. Encounter transforms lives. And I'm, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm a little fiery and a little passionate it, but I, I have been touched by the love of God in a way that has transformed my life, that I have been translated from darkness into light, and if I told you where I came from, and I told you what I've been through, and I told you that I'm standing here, and I love my husband, we've been married for 23 years, this is the first relationship in five generations that's lasted in my, in my, in my time. The first marriage that has not ended in divorce in five generations on both sides of my family. If I told you I am breaking generational things because I've encountered a love that has transformed my life. So I'm not pushing off my kids to be raised by information and programs. I'm teaching them that it is in the encounter that they have with Jesus that brings transformation. And so far, so good. I mean, you know, so far I'm doing a pretty good job. I'm not a perfect mom, I'm not a perfect person, and I'm not a perfect pastor. Thanks. I'm, I'm really not, I'm not a perfect wife either. I just, <laughs> I was watching this meme and, um, or this like little video and the guy's like, yeah, make, make him a sandwich or something like that. It was like, go make him a sandwich. And I'm like, I'm not going to make, make his own sandwich. <laughs> There's a little feminism inside me. It's all right. It's all right. We all got stuff to work out. Encounter is messy. But if we're not willing to let it break out in our midst, in our family, we will not see revival. We will not see the reformation that God has called us to see. I think about the tears. I think about the, the prayers that are poured into the ground of this city and this region. And I think how dare us go another generation without tapping into the wells of revival from the past. How dare us go another generation without experiencing a true encounter and a true revival with what God has for us. See, there's this like mystery, and I don't even understand it theologically, but there's a, a mystery between the sovereign move of heaven where he pours out, God pours out, and the responsibility of us to steward it and receive it and open our hearts to it. 
can't explain it theologically. I don't even have all the answers. But I know that there's a tension that we live in, a tension with the sovereign poor, the sovereign um, demonstration of, of the manifesting of, of God and us saying yes to whatever it is. I don't know why we always want some buttoned up pretty version of the gospel. We want it to look so good. Now, I, I'm, I want church to be excellent. I want nice buildings and beautiful programs and a great experience for our children. I want excellent worship and not clanging cymbals and good preaching of the word of God. I want all of those things, but there are some times where we sacrifice all of that on the altar and we say, I don't care what it looks like. I just want Jesus and the mess that it might bring. See, sometimes we think Jesus was this like buttoned up perfect little man who walked the earth. Do you know some of the things that he did with the blind man in John chapter nine? He spit in the dirt and rubbed it on his eyes. That's a little bit messy to me. In John chapter four with the woman at the well, you know what he told her? He said, go win your city for the gospel. And after she was told everything. She was an outcast, uh, married over and over again. He, you know what he told her? He didn't say, come and read a pretty little verse. He said, go preach the gospel to your city. In John chapter 2, when, when his mom came to him and said, I need you to bring wine to this wedding, you know, he, he said, go fill pots with water. See, Jesus did things that didn't make sense, things that were messy, things that weren't uh, culturally relevant. Jesus did things out of the box, and we expect it to always be this pretty little box of revival, and revival is messy, encounter is messy, and we have to let go and let God do whatever he wants to do because he's worthy, because his glory wants to be revealed in the earth. Even doubting Thomas, you know what he said? I'm not going to believe until I put my hands in his side. How messy is that? The side that Jesus was pierced. And the Bible says blood and water poured out of the side of Jesus. Thomas said, I'm going to put my hands in his side. I don't know about you, but that's messy. The cross wasn't pretty. The cross didn't have this beautiful, you know, thing that we see as the cross today. The cross was messy and bloody and gross and cold and dirty. And we've allowed ourselves to be okay with a buttoned up version of Jesus, missing encounter, missing the glory. I want the glory more than I want to look good. I want the glory of God more than I want people in seats in a church. I want the glory of God more than anything because I know his glory is what transforms us. So what does it cost us? Not in a religious hamster wheel where I take the credit because I did something so good but what does it cost us he already he already paved the way and gave us everything we need he already did all the works 
He went to the cross for us. So what does it cost you? It costs you a yes. It costs you a, this is no sacrifice. Here's my life. It costs you everything. It costs us everything. Dignity. Stature. Status. I talk to people who have been Christians their whole lives, and nobody in their work knows that they're a Christian. Talk to people who are Christian their whole life, their kids don't serve the Lord. It's not pressure as you and a parent, but if we're kingdom transformers that say yes to the glory of Jesus, and it's not affecting and effecting and infecting every single area of our lives, I question your encounter. I feel like I, you know, I'm a, a, a good person and I love people and I would much rather my husband, you know, in, in, in my mind sometimes, I'd much rather him do something else. It's a lot more financially profitable, less stressful, more naturally rewarding than pastoring. I heard Bill Johnson say something. <laughs> he said, pastors are really interesting, special people. Because we might not, like, there might be people that leave our church that we don't like, but we're still really sad. <laughs> Bill Johnson said it, not me, so I can repeat it. <laughs> There's no... I can't explain to you the call of God as a pastor, as a leader, as somebody who comes in and, and pioneers what you believe God's called you to do. It is the literal hardest thing. I've pushed five children out of my body. Pastoring is harder. He says, yeah, but he doesn't know, really. I would rather... I would rather do anything else, almost. But I can't. I can't. Because this is what I'm called to do. And I long for his glory revealed in the earth. I long for a people that pursue his presence over anything and everything. And when you get that, when that gets in us, it is contagious. And that's how college students can sit in a chapel for four days, crying out and repenting to God for a move in their generation. That's how people sit in three, four, five hour services. You ever been to one of those? Because we long for the glory. 
I just want your glory, Jesus. We just want you manifested in this place. Nothing else. I don't need a pretty buttoned up version of religion. I want Jesus in the mess that it comes with. I don't need a program to help me raise my children or, or help me make sure that everything looks good on the outside. I want Jesus and the mess that that comes with. I want real transformation in my life, in my family's life, in our church, and in our city. Because it doesn't happen without encounter. Can you stand with me? I do know. If your heart is burning like mine, I want you to come up to the altar. And I didn't preach for very long, so we have plenty of time. So don't worry about what the clock is. But if you're hungry and you're saying, I want Jesus more than anything, I want this that you're talking about, I want you to run up here because I want a church that burns for him. I remember moving here thinking, God, I just want your presence in this place. I just want, I want what you want for this city. Sometimes I think, God, why? Why'd you send our family to Rochester? <laughs> it doesn't matter why, right? Why is not, why is not the question? How? How are you going to manifest your glory and your goodness through our yes, through our sacrifice? It's our life, God. We lay it down for you. We lay it down for you, Jesus. Doesn't matter what it looks like. I want the mess. I want the spit in the mud. I want the prostitutes and the pimps that go into the streets and win their cities for Jesus. I want the doubting Thomases to be able to look in the eyes of a man with fire in his eyes and say yes to Jesus. I want to see a generation that no matter the cost says I will serve you and I will love you and I will lay my life down for you Jesus and I don't care if it's pretty I just want your glory I just want your glory Hi Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.